Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Jones Podcast, where we show off our enthusiasm and, well, Jones for fantasy sports to help you win your league. Now let's Jones some fantasy. Win big in 2021 with Rotoballer.com's NFL Premium Pass. Are you ready to dominate your season-long and DFS leagues? Rotoballer's NFL Premium Pass and Draft Kit includes rankings, projections, and cheat sheets for all formats. Get exclusive draft articles, DFS tools, lineup optimizers, and premium Slack chats. Join in on the winning and take 50% off on any Premium Pass. Use the promo code FRA, F-R-A for another 10% discount. Just visit rotoballer.com radio, sign up today, and start rotoballing like a boss. Welcome to the Fantasy Jones. I'm Carlos Marion, and I'm here with Frank Amarante, our fantasy expert. Frank, how are you doing tonight? Well, you know, uh, I'm not doing too well, to be honest. Uh, our home league, the one I'm in with you, I'm a little bit rattled because a couple weeks ago when we spoke about this on the show, I just traded Joe Mixon. And I got C.D. Lamb. And at the time, you know, I, I was feeling really good about the trade. Uh, Joel Mixon had just started to lose usage in the passing game. They were using Samaj P. Ryan too much. Uh, C.D. Lamb came off his biggest game of the season. He's a stud young wideout. And I had Kenny Gainwell coming up playing the Lions and Chargers. And I figured he'd be at least the 1A. So I could that could help me uh, withstand the loss of Mixon. And what happened is the first week... Uh, post mixing, I lost by a grand total of point uh, point one points. So that put me at uh, four um, four and three, no four and four in our league. Then the next week, I played the guy that I traded Mixon to, and he put up twenty five points. And CD Lamb did hardly anything. So essentially, that trade lost me two weeks in a row just because of that one trade. And it's put me from a potential of six and three to now four and five in a must-win situation. Yeah, don't I ever know that feeling? Well, because mainly in our home league, we have a, a nice six-way tie for sixth place. Wow. You know, thank <laughs> goodness. And and I, I'm so happy that we're a part of it so that we can actually talk about it tonight and and feel like, hey, maybe there is hope. And the best part about, about all of this is that of course, we play each other this week in this must win because clearly right now we're at 10 and 11th. So clearly we're not, uh, we don't have the advantage of having high point totals. So to, for us to really climb back, we're going to need to win this week and then have, go on a, a nice run. You know, just like you, I've had some a little bit of an unlucky streak. I've been trying to make a trade. It's not really worked out the past couple of weeks. Everyone's like kind of holding off. And even last week getting trade offers for bi-week players. I don't, I didn't, I, I told everyone I needed to win this week. That was my number one goal in any trade. I didn't come away with a trade and I lost anyway to James Connor. And that's, oh, that one hurts. James Conner's been the most tilting running back in the league outside of Melvin Gordon. He's been worse than Melvin Gordon. Like Chase Edmonds has looked good in time. I thought he was going to be the more valuable fantasy back because his pass catching work, but James Conner's been a touchdown machine. And when Edmonds went out, Conner was used heavily 
So now he looks like an RB1. He's like a league winner. But I got to feel your pain on that. He put up crazy numbers last week. Yeah, it was to the point where we got to – I watched the 1 o'clock games. I'm like, wow, I, I feel real confident, confident about this. Maybe it was because I was uh, focusing in on the Eagles' terrible first half so much. I completely just zoned out from every other game. And next thing I know, I just see – what was it? 36 points or whatever it was. It was just, it really, it really got me good because I thought with Lamar getting about 32 points, I thought that was it. I thought I was good, clear, but that's not fantasy football. That's not the game we know and love. So you know what, tonight, Frank, let's take a look at our matchup. Uh, What are some things that stand out to you looking from your point of view this week? Well, we'll go we'll go through our, our lineups position by position. I'll start at quarterback with Jalen Hurts, and I'm not feeling confident about him right now. And that's because the Eagles have shifted their offensive philosophy after the first few weeks of r- virtually refusing to run the football. They really have gone run heavy, and it's hurting Jalen Hurts' upside. Uh, I know he ended up with an okay fantasy total of uh, around 16 points last week, but that's because they were playing from behind towards the end and they aired it out a bit. But look at the last two games. Jalen Hurts has passed fewer than 20 times, 14 attempts and 17. The only reason he hasn't been a total disaster, he's been bad actually. Like last week he put up, I don't know, like 10 fantasy points. The week after that, this past week, he had like 16. So he has been bad, but imagine how bad he would be from a fantasy standpoint if he didn't run because he's rushed for 133 yards over the last two weeks. So the silver lining here is he is rushing um, more efficiently in the last two weeks, but he's not passing at all. So I don't see the same type of upside in him as a fantasy quarterback, as we saw earlier in the year when he was just balling out on a weekly basis from a fantasy perspective. And he's on the road in Denver and the Broncos defense to the surprise of many, just they dominated the Cowboys even after trading away Von Miller. So I'm feeling really not good at all about Jalen Hurts in this spot. Uh, I'm in a tough situation like this due to his rushing upside. I I have to ride with him. I mean, I'm not going to go and pick up Matt Ryan, despite the fact that Ryan has played well lately in such a must-win game. I'm just going to roll with Hurts and and bite the bullet, but I'm just not feeling good about him right now. Yeah, with Hurts, it's... Very interesting thing. We've talked about it at nauseum, it seems like. And for me, even this morning, listening to WIP in Philadelphia, just listening to some fans going back and forth, some really, it's its so polarizing. Some like him, some don't. Some see that that uh, hurdle he made to get a first down in the, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, the fourth quarter. It, oh, he's a gamer. He can win. But then at the same time, like you said, he's not throwing for more than 20 times a game. So it's, it's, it's something that, yeah, okay, is, can you trust him really to do what you expect just because of his rushing? I don't know. You'd, for me, it would have to be like those goal line touchdowns that would, that would save the fantasy day or like those late game drives that we seem all too familiar with this, this year. Exactly. So we'll have to see. Maybe I'll maybe I'll change my mind. But for right now, I'm rolling with Hertz. How about you, a quarterback? Well, me, yeah, me. It's uh, it's fine because uh, I got Burrow on the bye, even though he did absolutely nothing last week. But I have Lamar Jackson. Not going to bench him or look for any other solution. He is the guy for me. 
I even just thought about trading him last week a bit, but in reality, it's tough to trade such a weapon where he just runs like crazy. He outpassed and outran a Minnesota. He'd be outpassed Cousins and he outran Cook. Cook. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's ridiculous this year. You can make a legitimate argument that he's the best fantasy quarterback right now. If you look at some of his underlying metrics, he leads the, I believe he leads quarterbacks in air yards. So he's throwing it downfield at a really high rate. Uh, we look at his passing numbers overall. He's averaging 276.1 passing yards per game. That is, look what he did last year, 183.8. That's a huge increase. Even in his MVP year, he averaged 208.5 passing yards per game. So that's even a, a big increase from his MVP season. He's taken huge strides as a passer. And despite that, he's not really lost much on the ground. He's averaging 75 rush yards per game. In his MVP season, he averaged 80.4. The only difference is he only has two touchdowns compared to seven in that MVP year. But he's having an unbelievable season, and he is definitely my overall QB1 going forward. He tore up Minnesota last week. This week on Thursday night, he takes on a Miami defense that's been torched by Tom Brady, and it's just not been a good pass defense at all. So you have the clear advantage here. And going forward, we got to think Lamar is number one, especially without Josh Allen has looked real sloppy the last two weeks. So huge advantage to you. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's one of the things I can ride with every week. Knowing I have him at quarterback gives me that nice floor. I, I, I don't worry about quarterback too much, obviously, because he is the man. And that's what, like, it, it, it hurts me a bit when I see these, like, Jalen Hurts to Lamar Jackson comparisons, as if, like, Jalen Hurts can make the deep ball, like, uh, can pass like uh, Lamar can. And even though people bash Lamar for not being able to pass, this guy has great downfield accuracy, clearly. It, it's clear. How many drops have you seen Marquise Brown this year near the, near the end zone? It's, it's happened countless times this year. Absolutely. But let's go on to our wide receiver one. I'm going to start with one of the more disappointing players at his position, and that's Stefan Diggs, who a lot of people, including myself, just love this situation. He's in one of the pass heaviest offenses in the, in the league. He was dominant, especially down the stretch last year. But we look this year, I believe he's ranked like around wide receiver 18 or something in that range, just not even coming close to his top three wide receiver ADP. And it seems like every week he's had a great matchup. He just played the Jags week before the Dolphins, the Titans, the Chiefs, the Texans, Washington, Miami again. And in all of those games, he only eclipsed 100 yards once, and he only scored three touchdowns. And he had three games, no, four of those games, 60 yards or fewer. Just a huge disappointment, especially even last week against the Jags. What was that? They scored six points against a defense that is just – gotten throttled on a weekly basis even by geno smith it was disgusting and it caused me to really look closer at stefan diggs and i i tweeted this out today it's a bit interesting we look at his target share by year so 2015 23 percent 2016 23 percent 2017 21 percent target share 2018 26 percent 2019 22.4 percent so between 2015 and 2019, while he was a Minnesota Viking, he varied from, he ranged from around 21% to 
as a low to 26% target share as a high. Well, in his first year in Buffalo, his target share was 29.32%, which is over 3% more than his highest target share that he showed in Minnesota. This year, his target share has regressed back to his career norms, 23.86%. That looks more in line with what we saw in Minnesota, which leads me to wonder if last year was an outlier season that it just was one of those year, a career year and it, and it's just not who he was entirely and maybe we overlooked that and we overvalued him coming into the year you still have to think of him as a wide receiver one I mean his his worst game is 7.9 half PPR points and he has uh six double digit half PPR points out of eight games so he still gives you a floor but He's more in a lower end wide receiver one range than the elite one we thought we were getting. Yeah, it, it we had actually talked about a, a possible trade for Stefan Diggs right before this game. And it was this game that really made me worry after the fact. And it was like saying, thankfully, I didn't make that trade with you or we even went into heart uh, into more detail about it. But to know that he, he can't reach those target share numbers, it, it's pretty much impossible for him to get 29% from the here on out. So yeah, they have so many more ballistic. They have other options now, like that, like the emergence of Manuel Sanders is as like a every week guys, there's more mouths to feed in that offense. Yeah. It's similar to, uh, I hope he gets better. Calvin Ridley leaving with uh, doing, taking time for himself, but on a weekly basis, Ridley was talked up as a guy who, hey, he's going to blow up this week, including myself. I said it too. Okay, this is breakout week. Okay, this is breakout week. It wasn't happening. And it's it's similar to what we're seeing with Diggs. Every week, it feels like he's going to absolutely explode, and it hasn't happened. And this week, he has another great matchup against the Jets, but I'm not feeling like he's going to explode. I'm feel, I, I, There's no reason to think that. He hasn't had 120-point half PPR game all year and i'm not really feeling too optimistic he's a top 10 option but he's not what i drafted him to be let's let's look at your wide receiver one for this week yeah this week i'm going we got the return of mike evans he's off his bye now and he's uh really like i was hesitant early on to draft him because of his boomer bust potential but he has been that that guy that solid option where, like you were saying, what you were looking for digs of a guy who can really take your team to the next level and with, you know, production like 28 points, 22, 26. These are games that have really helped me at least maintain this, well, mediocre record. But who knows what I would have been without a guy like Mike Evans, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Mike Evans was the fantasy receiver that everyone loved to hate coming into the year. Oh, He's touchdown dependent. Oh, Antonio Brown is there to take away targets. Well, there was always a path to this kind of production because how we you couldn't have really assumed Antonio Brown would, would play a full season. I mean, he is getting up there in age. And now that Brown's out, Evans is, is a borderline wide receiver one, a very high-end wide receiver two because of the weekly ceiling he brings. Like you mentioned, he has three 20-plus point-half PPR games. He has three multi-touchdown games. It's clear that Brady loves to feed him in the red zone and loves to feed him downfield. He gets those money targets. Even if he gets fewer targets th than some of the other household names, 
the targets that he does get are highly valuable around the red zone and downfield. And look who he plays coming out of the bye. One of the worst secondaries in the NFL. Washington has been atrocious in pass coverage. And this could really be a spike week for Mike Evans. So it's another great, great option you have for this week. Yeah, I'm drooling over that matchup. I can't wait. That's something that the team. Oh, yeah. But big uh, disappointment. But speaking of drooling, sorry, I just (laughs) had a perfect segue when you were saying drooling over the matchup because I'm drooling over this matchup. And that's CeeDee Lamb, the, the player who I was harping about in my Joe Mixon trade because he plays the Atlanta Falcons at home coming off. It's a perfect storm. Number one, it's a huge matchup. Atlanta is atrocious on defense. They give up a lot of production to wide receivers. Their pass rush is non-existent. They're going against a Cowboys team that has a terrific offensive line. They have, and they're coming off a game where they were horrible, like huge upset loss at home to Denver. Dak Prescott did not play well. CeeDee Lamb only caught two of nine targets for 23 yards. So it's the perfect storm where they could try to get him going again, and he's in a cupcake matchup. And I think Lamb is really going to have a big week here in week 10. Yeah, it looks like that trade might finally pay off a perfect week. You know, he faced me. It's a nice uh, it's a nice trend, these, these blow-ups. So that's why when you're talking about Diggs and Lamb, I'm looking at them I'm like, this is the week that they're going to just unleash, aren't they? But – like you said, there's it can't be a better matchup than right now. It's a bounce back game for the Cowboys. We know that they're going to destroy Atlanta. This is not this is classic Cowboys where they lose to an opponent that they no one expected them to lose to. Makes me hurt because I dropped Denver, Denver's D for San Fran this week because I thought it was just going to be oh boy the Cowboys coming into town, and little did I know, Denver did that. But my next player for me. I'm really torn because every week this seems to be the decision between Waddle and Devontae Smith. Now, Waddle would have been 100% stamped, approved my pick this week as my wide receiver too. But after what I saw in the Eagles game, it looks like Devontae Smith might be force-fed this year because I'm not sure if you saw the target chart for Jalen Hurts and there were six targets for... Goddard, six targets for Smith, and what three targets for Watkins, and that was it. Three guys got targets. And, you know, <laughs> and, and you, when I see that, it makes me think, oh, boy, oh, boy, are they just going to try to force Devontae? And you know what? They should, honestly, in my opinion. It, it, it's getting to the point where he's clearly the best option. Give it to him. Even Goddard as well. We'll probably talk about that in a bit, but those two really seem like the only guys I would trust in Philly right now. Yeah, Devonta, after a few slow weeks, he finally broke out and he looked great. He, he has phenomenal separation skills. I was watching some of that game. He was getting open, making nice catches. And he caught uh, five of six targets for 116 yards and a touchdown. You definitely have a tough decision there. The problem is, hey, if, if the, the fact that there's just limitations in the passing volume, like I said, fewer than 20 pass attempts the last two weeks concerns me a bit. And Denver's defense looked improved last week, but that could be an outlier because they were really struggling before that. Um, they were one of the biggest disappointments in the league. So we could see Devonta Smith continue his uh, strong play that he showed last week. And as for Jalen Waddle, the thing with him is, 
he's he's been a bit more consistent because he's he's gotten a ton of targets. He's got in three of his last four, he's put up double digit targets. Uh, Devontae Parker is injured. He's on IR, so it's just Waddle and Gesicki really. The problem with Waddle is that they target him so close to the line of scrimmage. His average depth of target is around four to five yards, very, very low. So the only way for Waddle to really pop is for him to either find the end zone or just get a ridiculous target share, like 13 targets, something like that. So it's a close close, uh, call for you. If I'm picking out of the two, I'm going Waddle because, for one, he's safer with the target share and the fact that Miami's more pass-heavy than Philly is. And this t- this is putting a DFS mindset into your season-long decisions, is that when you play a quarterback in DFS, if you choose an opposing wide receiver, it's a good correlation because if, let's say, Lamar Jackson is putting up points, that means Miami needs to air it out to keep pace with Lamar Jackson and Jalen Waddle being one of their top targets that benefits him. So it's a nice fit for your lineup, which is why I would I would lean towards Waddle. Yeah, that's a good point. I've never even thought about with the the correlation between the two because that's I was actually looking at it in terms of uh, of my starters with me having Mike Evans back and you know, last week it was more I'm going Waddle for sure. Now. Now I look at the situation and I see Devontae Smith get that touchdown, get a low target share, but be more productive with his targets and makes me wonder, okay, maybe I have the opportunity to take the shot with Devontae Smith, but at the same time, Jalen Waddle is going to give me that floor to make sure that even though what happens, like there's a possibility he's going to get eight to 10 targets and do something with them. Right. And that's, that that that's what makes me lean towards Waddle just because of his his floor. Hopefully, getting up anywhere between ten to fifteen points with Evans back in the lineup, I feel more comfortable having them two as my only two wide receivers because I don't think I'm going to start a wide receiver at my flex. More on that a little bit later. Frank, All you right. want to talk about your running backs? Yeah, let's start with RB1, my guy, DeAndre Swift, who I love. He's been great all season. He's coming off a terrible game against the Eagles. We only put up 5.6 half PPR points. And that shows the risk that he has playing on one of the worst offenses in the NFL, on the Detroit Lions. Jared Goff's a check down machine. Jared Goff does not respond well to pass rush. He just he, he doesn't elude the rush. He doesn't have much pocket presence. So there's always the chance that Swift really lays an egg like he did last week. Now he has two games this season with fewer than seven fantasy points. And it's a tough matchup at Pittsburgh against the Steelers, against one of the best defenses in the NFL. The good news is that even though Pittsburgh's run defense is great, DeAndre Swift thrives in the passing game so he can just load up on those checkdowns. So I think he can put up double-digit half PPR points. I don't think this will be one of his ceiling games, but he could do it. He could provide a decent enough floor. And who knows? Maybe the Lions bounce back a bit coming out of their bye after such a brutal loss to Philly. Yeah, he's rock steady. That that's the your number one running back by far. And he's he even as you said, like Detroit's not gonna win much this year. And they're just going to slow like every game, dump it off to him. And he's always going to have that, 
that massive target share because they don't have really much on that team. Hawkinson. Now I'm going to just jump to your second running back. You're going to go with Javante this week. Is that uh, the only reason I'm asking, of course, because we are recording this on Monday and we just read the news that Nick Chubb has COVID. He's vaccinated, so he's not ruled out yet, but who knows with COVID, we have no idea. Yeah, this is where it gets interesting for my lineup because I love Javante Williams, but he is stuck in a timeshare with Melvin Gordon. But he looked great last week running for 111 yards on 17 carries. But that was a game where Denver was leading throughout the game. So it was a run-heavy game script. Both running backs got a ton of usage. If they're losing against Philadelphia, you'll see more passes. You won't see as much volume. But the Eagles, the other thing is the Eagles' rush defense is not good at all. It's one of the worst in the league. They've gotten gashed by Ezekiel Elliott. They gave up uh, good production to uh, Leonard Fournette. They've struggled there, but they did slow down Austin Eckler last week. So it's it will be a decision because I love him. But then if, if the Ernest Johnson, if Nick Chubb is ruled out, we saw what Johnson did against Denver, 22 carries, 146 yards, and a touchdown. I think I have no choice but to go with Johnson just because he'll have safer volume. He'll likely get 15-plus carries and maybe even more maybe even 20 I mean he got 22 in his only start so also New England's weaker against the run than they are against the pass so I would lean towards Ernest Johnson but it will be a decision for me because I love the matchup with Williams against the Eagles and it it, we spoke of correlation he correlates with Jalen Hurts because if Williams is having a good game that means Denver is likely playing with the lead because they're likely running more and if Jalen Hurts is playing from behind Philly won't be able to really go as run heavy as they have in the last two weeks which would mean Jalen Hurts could potentially have a good game as well so it will be a tough call for me no doubt yeah that's one of your tough tough decisions because the Eagles defense in general is just terrible so uh, that game could go a, a multiple, uh, multiple different ways, and him running the running uh, like crazy seems like one I can picture. Especially a, a bigger back, we don't have linebackers. It's tough to really take those guys down when they're in the second level of the defense. But uh, I wanted to switch over to my running back situation because I have three running backs that I feel confident to start, but. Right now, well, actually four, technically, but this week I'm only going to start uh, Damian Harris, if available, and Elijah Mitchell. Now, Damian Harris, he's had five straight games with a touchdown. If he's healthy, he is starting 100%. The issue is, if he's healthy, he had that head injury, left the game early, uh, midway through the fourth, and honestly, with New England, we're not going to know up until the final day, literally hours before. And uh, a similar thing with Elijah Mitchell, where last week I wasn't sure if he was going to play at all. And then Sunday morning, you get the note that there's most likely going to play. And he's been a nice little boost, even though he hasn't done too much. It's just a, the, the boost of stability to my team to know that I have him, that I can start him as a nice, solid option. And the third one 
my number one pick this year, a guy that you like this year, Antonio Gibson. He is coming off a bye injury, a bye week. He has that shin injury that he's been dealing with the past couple of weeks. And let's see if he comes off the bye spry. But I don't think I'm going to be starting him against Tampa Bay because that matchup doesn't seem too positive for him, especially game script wise. It looks like Washington might not be able to keep up with Tampa at all. So I think Elijah Mitchell and Damian Harris for sure. I might as well mention AJ Dillon while I'm at it, I guess. By your flex, yeah. Yeah, because this is a point where in the season we're seeing a lot more. It's getting colder. The weather changes and we the game scripts change a bit. And I'm hoping that with possibly Rogers gone another week, the run-heavy game script with A.J. Dillon involved is going to only go up from here. He got four catches last week, looked really involved just in general the past few weeks. And he's now gone to that point where I feel confident to start him at flex. Yeah. Well, to start off, let's start it off with Damian Harris. And Harris has been great. Like, uh, you know, he scored a touchdown in in five consecutive games. Two of those games are over 100 yards. Three of them were 80 plus. Last week, he only rushed for 30 yards. But that's because Carolina's defense played so well. He has another tough matchup at home against the Browns, who've been good against the run. But you, like you said, you can't really bench him if he's healthy the way that they're playing now. And New England's really starting to lean towards the running game. But we'll see. I might put in a waiver for Ramondre Stevenson because he looked great last week. He was involved in the passing game. He, he made people miss. He looks like a good player. And they really should use him more, in my opinion. But I digress. Moving on to Elijah Mitchell. He's been great for you. Those two 100-yard rushing games. And the most intriguing part of last week was that prior to this game against Arizona, he was not used in the passing game. It was all Jermichael Hasty, But this week, he caught five tar- all five of his targets for 43 yards. If we see that type of passing game usage stick, he could enter, like, he could really soar in value and be close to an RB1 rest of season. You have to obviously start him. That running game is phenomenal. We all know that. And this week, who does he got this week? The Rams, which is tough, but the way that running game, when it's clicking, it could work against anyone. Uh, Antonio Gibson, I agree with you. You got to leave him on the bench now, even though it's the bye week. Uh, I fell into the trap right before the bye because it was the first week in uh, about at least a month where Antonio Gibson was not on the injury report coming into that game against Denver. So that made me think, okay, he's not in the injury report. Maybe he's healthier. Maybe they're going to give him more of a workload. But that was not the case whatsoever. In fact, his workload was even less. They used Jared Patterson, the rookie, and it became sort of like a three-man committee. Add in the fact that he takes on a Bucks defense as just a total brick wall against the run. Add in the fact that Gibson barely is using the passing game now at all. They'll, they'll just use J.D. McKissick, and it's an easy call for me there. Uh, your flex spot, A.J. Dillon, like you said, they've used him more in the last two weeks especially, and he looks great. Against Arizona, 16 carries, 78 yards. Last week he caught four passes for, I believe it was around 46 yards. If Aaron Rodgers is out, Dillon is a great flex play because – they're going to be run heavy and they have an exploitable matchup against the Seahawks. If Rodgers is back, well, even when Rodgers was there and Devontae Adams was out against Arizona, they were using Dylan a lot. 
So I think he could definitely see around 12 touches and it would be in a potential shootout. So I definitely see the logic with going Dylan there. But I agree with you, like we said, Gibson to the bench. Yeah. Moving on to my flex, I just wanted to throw it in there because it's a nice battle of teammates. This one's locked in for me. It's Chris Godwin, who's been fantastic ever since I ripped him after his performance against the Eagles, where I tweeted that his role has basically devolved into like a rich man's uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and that low dot slot receiver. Well, since then, Antonio Brown has missed time, and Godwin has absolutely popped off. Eight catches for 111 yards and one touchdown in one game. The next game, eight catches, 140 yards, one touchdown. And like Evans, he has an outstanding matchup against Washington. He's the safer play of the two because he has more targets. Evans in the last two weeks has 14 targets without Antonio Brown. Well, Godwin has, I believe, 24. So that makes him a bit safer, even if he doesn't have the same ceiling that Evans does. So we'll see. That'll be an interesting part of our matchup. Yeah, those two are going to – that's going to be the game to watch for us. I think I'll know right away what's going on at that point. It, especially early on, you know what game it's going to be. You know if it's going to be an Evans game or a Godwin game. If Evans gets that, like, bomb or – like 60 yard pass early on, like, you know, th those are the, the telltale signs, but uh, moving on to tight end, we have a, a matchup. It's a decent, decent matchup, especially now we Travis Kelsey's still the number one tight end, but in recent weeks, his production's kind of been off and on. It's been solid, nothing, nothing crazy, but you're it's, you have Dallas Goddard who's, now production has gone up since since the bye week he's like i said earlier is one of only two people that are really targeted in this eagles offense so what are your thoughts on goddard this week well if we look at dallas goddard since they've traded since the zach Ertz trade we'll, we'll compare his splits so from weeks one to six goddard didn't play week seven Weeks one to six, Goddard played 68.3% of the snaps with an 11.18% target share. If we look from week seven to nine without Ertz, his snap share has jumped to 84.3% with a 28.57% target share. That's huge for a tight end. The only reason we're not hearing more hype about Goddard right now is because, like I mentioned, the Eagles have gone super run heavy, fewer than 20 pass attempts last two games. So if the Eagles fall behind early and if the Broncos are able to slow down that running game, forcing the Eagles to air it out more, Goddard has super high upside because you got to love the way he's being used now. And this is another reason why, even though Hertz is a lot more volatile, given the changes in offensive philosophy lately, why I like leaving him in there is because I got that mini stack with Hertz and Goddard. So that, that also will correlate with, like I said, with Javante Williams, because now I have a pass catcher with Hertz. So that me with Hertz. So that means he's airing it out more. That means they're likely playing from behind, which lends itself to Javante Williams. So 
I, I Goddard's obviously fixed in there, given that tight end is a weak position, but I'm feeling good about him going forward. Yeah, he's someone I actually tried to get off you in that trade because I felt, you know, with the drop off of Kelsey, I feel like he was he's a decent shot to go after of a guy who's who can possibly put up those top five tight end numbers with his usage, right? Last week, last week he could have gotten an even bigger day if Jalen Hurts would have connected him on about a he had he was seeing straight green. It would have been about oh, like yeah. a 50, 60 yard pass. It was he just overthrew him. He had some he had some pressure on his face. So it, I understand he missed him, but it, it's those plays that really they come also, I don't want to harp on it, but Devontae Smith could have had a touchdown too, but it was a poorly thrown ball. These are the things with the offensive. I just feel like these guys would be so much better fantasy options if they were just consistently getting the ball where they need to get the ball. I'm going to talk a little bit about Travis Kelsey, who I am absolutely loving as a first round pick, taking the shot, drafting a tight end first round. Of course, at the end of the first round, you have the options of like Diggs and Ridley and all those wide receivers and Najee Harris. But we didn't believe that. Well, me personally, I thought Antonio Gibson would have a better year than Najee Harris. I was wrong. But by taking Kelsey, gave me the opportunity to have a guy that every week I have that much better of an advantage than everybody else. Because for him to get 15 points every week is not hard. Even with Mahomes playing this bad, that's the thing that blows my mind is that Mahomes is playing poorly. The offense is stinky, but Travis Kelsey somehow finds a way to just be decent enough to be worth that first round pick. Yeah, it's crazy. He He's even been, like you said, he's been a disappointment by his standards, but he's still the tight end one and he really stabilizes your roster, especially because Gibson has really disappointed. So, and he's in a good spot there. You got to think eventually their offense wakes up. It's been a disaster. They play Vegas on the road, Sunday night football in prime time. That's going to be a sweat for me because you have such a beast on Sunday night. Hopefully I have a big enough lead. And if we're looking overall in the lineups, let's sum it up here. We're going to go position by position, see where who has the advantage. Lamar versus Hurts, it's one nothing. you. Stefan Diggs versus Evans. I'm going to lean Diggs here. Uh, do you agree? With Diggs, well, as a whole, I'd say that your wide receivers are, you have the advantage that way. This yeah. one, Evans and Diggs, I, I take, consider it like a wash because the rest yeah. you have the advantage to me. It's true. That's true. We could consider it a wash. I have the advantage in, in receivers. You're, you're right there. Uh, running backs are pretty close. I think... You, I would argue that I have the advantage at wide receiver and maybe running back just because Harris has some question marks about his status and because, um, you know, well, actually you have three of them versus two. It's pretty close because Mitchell can easily do better than DeAndre Swift against Pittsburgh. You might have a slight advantage, but you have a huge advantage, obviously, in quarterback and in tight end. So I'm going to have to figure out a way to make some of that back. Hopefully I can work the wire hopefully my running backs can step up we'll see but it should be very very interesting in a huge matchup yeah the matchup itself we don't like projections whatsoever but if we're going to look at projections 
it's a 112 to 110 for me. And we all know how those projections are bang on. They, they're right all the time. We've gotten, uh, I don't know, Frank, it's going to be a really close, really close week. Obviously, I hope you lose, but, you know, anything can happen. And maybe I can try to swing for a trade. Maybe someone will finally, uh, finally, you know, let go and just give me a wide receiver. So I don't know. I have all this depth that I feel is just wasted from a week to week basis. And we'll see if we can do anything. It'll be, it'll be interesting for sure. Frank, it's going to be entertaining this week. Let's see if we can grab anybody from the waiver wire in the stance. All right, let's do it. And we hope you enjoyed this different spin on an episode, analyzing players in the context of our big home league matchup. Thank you for tuning in to the Fantasy Jones podcast. Keep up with the Fantasy Jones on Twitter, Instagram, and our website, thefantasyjones.com.